I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, indeed. And this morning, I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Mary Meyer. Good morning, professors. Good to have Mary Meyer back on the radio. How have you been, Mary? Oh, Jenny, good morning. Good to hear your voice. Great to talk about gardening. I've been well and hope you've been well also, but great year for gardening. I can stand uh, outside or on the deck or whatever and actually watch the weeds grow. I can actually <laughs> see them grow. What, what, what is it, uh, and I, I know Julie uh, kind of addressed it last week, but is it this hot, dry weather? What's the deal? Why, why are they so prolific? Oh, weeds. You know, weeds are just, they really take advantage of any possible situation and they are able to grow with the least amount of water and the least amount of sunshine, it seems. But yes, they, they have capitalized on minimal resources and still grow. It, it is amazing how quickly they can grow. <laughs> Well, uh, if you have uh, any kind of a lawn or garden question, now is your chance. And, you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, you, you know how busy we tend to get. If you want to talk to Mary or send Mary a text, either way, uh, send that uh, lawn or garden question via 651-461-9226. Again, uh, call or text 651-461-9226. You know, Mary, unfortunately, at least for those of us around here who need the rain, I'm looking at that forecast for the next six, seven days, and I don't see a whole lot of chances. Maybe here and there, 20%, maybe 30%, but not many chances, and our lawns are looking pretty tough. They are. The sad thing is is the rain has been very variable, uh, sporadic. So some places have gotten nothing. Others, uh, you know, it's just very erratic. Tuesday evening, um, I got an inch of rain here in, where I live in South Plymouth, and I thought, oh, this is wonderful. And I went out to the Arboretum thinking everything would be nice and well watered at the Arboretum, and I don't think it rained at all there. So it's really uh, frustrating when it is so erratic. But we do have to remember that anything that you've planted this year, as far as trees and shrubs, the big perennials that you put out in the landscape, if it has not been raining regularly, the newly planted things really have to be watered. And so it's a, it's a pain in the neck, but there are lots of uh, good recommendations on the website about how to do that. And so it's better to water infrequently and longer than short bursts 
parts of it. And of course, many, many cities have a restriction on watering. So paying attention to when you can actually water, depending on where you live, is important. Absolutely. Good advice. Let's grab a phone call. I think, uh, let's see who's first up here. Jean is calling in from St. Paul this morning. Jean, you're on with Mary. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for the show. I was um, wondering what I can do. A cat has used part of my flower garden. How can I neutralize it and to get things growing again and not have the cat come back? Yeah, so this is kind of tough, Jean. Uh, You know, most animals, the uh, fail-safe method is um, a fence or some type of a barrier so they can't get into the area. So that um, is, I think, still the best recommendation for a domesticated animal versus a a wild animal like bunnies that are uh, really a problem for us. So some type of a barrier, I think, is really what you have to put up. I'm not familiar with any repellents for uh, domesticated cats. But as far as uh, remediation in that area and what you can do, it really depends on how much... um, manure there is from the cat but i would say just incorporating that into the soil that you have uh, shouldn't be a problem unless it's something really extraordinary a huge amount um, if you can incorporate it and try to rake through the area distribute it over a wider area it will go ahead and compost and uh, decompose okay and I have another point. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about arborists and stuff. And I called my city forester, and they sent me a list of licensed um, arborists in the city. So that could be a point, too, for people. Yeah, great. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jane. Thanks for that tip. So con- many of our... A point, too, for people. Yeah, great. Yes. Yes, thank you, Jean. Thanks for that tip. So many of our cities do have a forester or arborist, and yes, they can do recommendations um, as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, good point. This listener, Mary, wants to know, what are some easy fall vegetable crops and what should they be doing now to prepare? They have two raised beds and several containers and want to maximize the growing season with cooler weather fall plants, but don't know where to start. And they love the show, too. Yes, we actually have an article. I was just looking at this at the uh, up online in extension in there in our yard and garden news. But um, it's it's the, really the number of days we have left until there is a frost, and there are quite a few days. So I would consider planting beans, uh, the snap beans, green beans, bush beans, uh, yellow and green beans. These usually take about 65 days. So they are uh, a warm season crop, but it's warm now. So the kind of the conflict is we don't have that many days, but the days we have might be hot. And so I would try, I would start with snap beans and then I would go with some of the leafy vegetables like kale, uh, collards, uh, Swiss chard, um, 
the uh, lettuces. You can lettuce doesn't like heat, but if we, once we get through the next two weeks, getting into August, we should have a cooler uh, conditions. So lettuce, any of the green leafy crops, uh, those are good too for short uh, term. Thinking about what doesn't take very long. Um, so some of these plants can be planted by seed. Um, at this point, certainly uh, bush beans and so on would go in from seed. Not so many uh, vegetable plants are available in garden centers. That's something that we normally see those just in the spring. However, you could look at garden centers and see what's still available uh, from plants because the, the next two weeks, a lot of garden centers will change over from having all of their spring things to going into more of fall crops, etc. But uh, look at the article as well that's up online. And yes, great thing to do because your first crop of bush beans, when they're done, you can plant another one. Tell you, I know we have to take a break, but I'm going to remind our listeners, Mary, that they can join in on the conversation. If you have a lawn or garden type of question, call it in or text it in to Mary at 651-461-9226. Folks on the line, stay there. After the break, we'll pick up on your phone calls and more text messages here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. I hear silence. I jump in. <laughs> It's it's part of the radio business, I guess. Uh, we're in the midst of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions at 651-461-9226. Speaking of uh, answering questions, let's uh, grab another phone call. I uh, believe Artis is calling in from Golden Valley this morning. Thank you, Artis. Uh, what is our, uh, what, what's your question? Well, I have these bugs that are like a large ant. That's the size of them. They have a bright red back. I don't know if it's a hard shell or not, but they're all over. They're in the mulch. They're in dirt. They're everywhere around the foundation of my house, and I have no idea what to do. I've never had this before. I've never seen these bugs before, and I don't know if you've heard of them or what would it would take to get rid of them. Artists, yeah, the first thing you got to do is figure out what is that bug? What kind of bug is it? And then, you know, from identification, then we can go on to is it is it a good bug? Is it a bad bug? Is it is it what worried one we should worry about or whatever? So the really critical thing is identification of the insect. So the first thing that comes to my mind is the um, oh, box elder bug which is a, a harmless insect. We normally see a lot of that in the fall. That's usually not this time of year that we see too many, but gosh, I think they can be, they can be around uh, almost at any time. But I would urge you to go to the website in, uh, and there's a, what, what insect is this? And uh if you can take a picture of the insect or if you can look at red insects or somehow identify it by looking at pictures. You can also send a picture to our Ask a Master Gardener extension line and they can uh, diagnose what the insect is. But before you do anything as far as control, the important thing is to figure out, yes, what is it? Yeah, let's mention that website again, extension.umn.edu, and that is, it's just a great resource, obviously, for a, a lot of things, and you brought up uh, 
the bug identification. Yeah, let's do that first, and then and then we'll see what uh, if we should attack it or not. Uh, thanks, Artis. Uh, let's see who is next here. Uh, Dan is calling in this morning, I believe, from uh, Clear Lake. Dan, you're on CCO. Thanks for waiting. What is your question, Dan, for Mary? Good morning, Danny, Mary. Say my question has to do with getting flowers to rebloom. Specifically, I know you can get petunias to rebloom by deadheading them and stuff, but what I'm focusing on are my roses and my clematises. Uh, I've heard, I know that some varieties of roses and clematises you can get to bloom year-round, I believe. Is it, how do you do that? Is it by deadheading them? Is it by cutting them back? Or is it strictly based on the variety of the rose and or clematis? Thank you. Well, it's a little bit of both. There, it does seem to be genetics that will enable a plant to rebloom again, but it's also a lot of, it's got to be ideal conditions. The plant has to be very healthy, have a lot of resources, um, adequate water, especially, and fertilizer for it to bloom. Um, the, you know, I, I, I don't know that I don't I've not been successful. I've not seen many plants that really do this, uh, that are really long blooming and repeat repeat blooming. Uh, some of the roses, like this Ben and Oli line that came out of the University of Minnesota, they will rebloom if you cut off the the first um, uh, rose hips and everything that once they're done, deadhead them, they will rebloom. But normally that second bloom is you know, 20%, maybe 10% of what the first bloom was. So most plants don't have resources to just put out that constant bloom like we see with annuals. The annuals can all their resources go to flowers. But with perennials, they have to compartmentalize. They've got to put some into keeping those roots and keeping leaves to come back the next year. So um, I would say, you know, keep keep your plants in ideal condition. Uh, With roses and with clematis, you can look for early blooming, mid-season bloom, and late-season bloom uh, varieties that will give you a longer season. So the same thing goes with peonies. Some come real early and some won't come for another month. So I think your best bet is to try to get an assortment of varieties to increase the bloom time rather than try to get one plant that's going to rebloom and sufficiently do that uh, throughout the summer. So I hope that makes sense. Very good. Uh, listener says, I have a 50-year-old gooseberry bush that is fruiting less and less the past three years. I cut it back last year. There's uh, lots of uh, new growth, but no fruit. Do you have any ideas? Well, congratulations with the 50 years. That that re- Sometimes I wonder, what is the life expectancy of some of our plants, especially fruiting plants? How long can they continue to uh, to give fruit? Um, so I would say make sure that the environment hasn't changed. Uh, is there more shade now than there used to be? Are other trees growing around it? Is there more competition nearby? If none of that has changed, it could be the just the end of the life for this particular plant. The new shoots that come up uh, might be good enough, but I would really consider uh, planting a whole new plant and starting over uh, with that. Okay. 
Hang on, Mary. We're going to take a break for that hot forecast, and we'll have about another half hour of the show to go on our Smart Garden Show. Our phone number is also our text number, 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions here on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, Mary, as usual, we have uh, callers and we have textures. In fact, let's grab a call uh, first uh, right away here from uh, Rose calling in from uh, Minneapolis, I believe. Thanks for waiting, Rose. What is your question, please? Um, I have roses and we have those beetles that's always on them. They like They seem to like my yellow and my white ones more but how do i keep them prevent them from coming on there they're just like they just attack them like crazy <laughs> I, every year that happens but i know it's worse right now than other years yes rose this is uh probably the japanese beetle which is uh gotten to be a problematic pest. It tends to love roses. It loves uh, grapes, uh, raspberries. There are certain really certain plants that it really does love. Um, you know, this is a hard insect to control. The The best thing is, I, I know you might not like this, but the, the best thing for a homeowner is first thing in the morning, take a bucket of soapy water and go out and just knock the insects into the soapy water and then uh, kill, kill them that way. Uh, they are a good flyer. They can fly away quickly, but handpicking them or this uh, disposal of some of them first thing in the morning when they're not as um, active is really the best thing for a homeowner. The, you know, the chemical controls that you put on for this are so um the ones that will kill the Japanese beetle kill everything. They kill um, too many other insects. And although the damage seems great, and there seems to be a lot of them, uh, Japanese beetles are rarely fatal. They rarely will kill a plant. Usually the plant will survive it, and they like to eat the petals, which um, are not as bad as the leaves on roses. Um, so I would I would. Uh, encourage you to do hand picking and then of course there's a lot of information up on the website about the life cycle of the pest as well yep extension.umn.edu we will be mentioning that again of course um uh, this uh, texter mary says they have a big healthy hydrangea with leaves turning yellow you think not enough water or too much Oh, good question. I would say probably not enough water at this point. Uh, hydrangeas have a big, thin leaf. They like a lot of water. So I would try uh, doing supplemental water with that. Okay. Back to the phones. Michael is waiting there and calling in from uh, Minneapolis this morning. Uh, Michael, thank you for waiting. Uh, what's your question for Mary? Good morning. We have well, what we believe to be Japanese you shrubs we have a grouping and we are wondering they've overgrown we're wondering if they if it's okay to trim them back um in the summer heat or do we have to wait for uh spring or winter or when is the best time to trim those back and and the last question would be excuse me um can you use a hedge clipper or do they have to be hand pruned 
Right. Uh, you can do this right now, Michael. We're, we're right on the end of the line as far as pruning. I usually say by the by mid July you should finish your pruning uh, of uh, the evergreens uh, like this. Um, so I would do it as soon as you can. You can do either a thing, a hand method or a hedge. Uh, clippers, uh, either electric hedge here is what I think you're referring to. It really depends on how sharp your blade is and just makes a good clean cut so you don't have any ragged edges or half dead, you know, half uh, cut off uh, uh, pieces. So, yeah, either one, whichever is easier for you, I do it as soon um, as you can. Uh, if you keep wait, if you wait longer, do it in August, there's a chance that new growth that's uh, uh, encouraged by pruning will uh, be damaged in the winter. So we try to finish up the pruning by uh, mid-July. We were talking about watering uh, earlier, Mary, when we started the show. This uh, listener says, is it okay to water trees with our sprinkler system daily for 30 minutes daily, or is that not adequate? Well, you need to measure what's coming out of that sprinkler and in 30 minutes see if there's an inch of water in a shallow dish or pan that you put out. So I don't think 30 minutes is probably enough. Um, It's better off if you can water near the base of the tree with a larger amount of water. You put the hose down uh, on each side of the tree for 15 or 20 minutes and uh, or, or use a gator bag. There are two or three different methods for just watering trees that are more effective than the sprinkler. The sprinkler is going to help your lawn more than it is uh, your tree. Right. This listener, Mary, is having a fence installed and need to trim back a rose and lilac bush. How can or how much, they say, ask, can I take off without causing damage? That depends a lot on the health of the plant and the age of the plant. Um, At the Arboretum, there are big established lilac hedges that we have pruned down to the base to do rejuvenation pruning with, and they will come back. But these are big, old, healthy plants, and um, if your plant is healthy, you could you could try that, especially if you're going to you want to get the fence in, and the shrub is in the way. You could try that. Um, roses not so, usually so um, um, uh, successful with that. Uh, so a rule of thumb is I would not take off more than one third of the plant if you're iffy about it. If the lilac is big and healthy it might come back totally from uh, cutting it back to the ground. Mary, you mentioned uh, the Arboretum last weekend. My daughter Tina and I, uh, we're both members uh, to the Arboretum. We went out there. I hadn't been there for a while. And we, besides uh, seeing the place, it, 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 we saw <laughs> Julie and the, her group, the Abiders, playing. Uh, oh, lucky. Uh, Good for yes. you. But I, I want to mention that that there is such a good feeling going out there. I mean, I could live at the Arboretum. I mean, it's just, (laughs) you know, you wander around there and it's just, what a spectacular place and such a well-kept resource that uh, for folks who have never been there, and I say it every time I bring it up, if you have any relatives or friends visiting, take them to the Arboretum. Uh, But you have to to reserve online, don't you? 
Yes, you need to reserve uh, online every half hour. There are several hundred tickets available, so members are always free with their membership. Uh, you can um, become a member the day uh, you go in. That can count towards your membership. There are many things that are blooming out there now, uh, lilies, roses, big clematis. The clematis are beautiful, big vines if you're interested in planting a vine. The prairie is beautiful to take a walk in the prairie. Tomorrow there's a bicycle race going to happen Ooh. at the Arboretum. There's also free, uh, the Minnesota uh, Mandolin Orchestra will be performing tomorrow afternoon. So there's a lot going on at the Arboretum in addition to the beautiful plants. And as you said, it's, it's a peaceful, wonderful place to walk. Uh, walk on wooded trails in, in natural settings or walk through the, the built display gardens. Yes, and changes through the season. So you can always see new things at the ARB. That is for sure. Uh, Easy drive, too. Just head out west on Highway 5 to 41, and you're going to be almost there. Uh, It'll be right off to your left as you're heading west. All right, let's see. Who is next here? How do I successfully plant my potted hydrangeas next to my front porch steps? Also, how do I keep the pink color on them? Yes, the pink color, it, it's hard to say. With If you've got a potted florist hydrangea, this is one that might not be so hardy for us in Minnesota, but it is worth a, worth a try. So, yeah, I would just dig a hole that's uh, larger and wider than the pot. Make sure that you uh, water it well after you plant it there and that you keep continually watering it. And um, I would not worry so much about the color. Sometimes it's really hard to keep the color. Uh, The bigger deal is really, is it going to live from year to year to come back and, um, and be pink or, or be blue. But I would worry about getting it established, make sure that it's uh, well watered and then hopefully it will come through the winter. Moy Mary, here's a question I think a lot of people have. My lawn is really struggling. Do you think it is worth it to try in water to bring it back? This is always a challenge to figure out how long it can go uh, in a dormant condition. So six weeks is the absolute maximum. Four is kind of getting on the edge depends again on the health of the lawn how healthy was it uh, going into uh, the drought conditions so I would say if it's looked bad for going on four weeks you should start watering it and again uh, pay attention to your city regulations and then do um, put a shallow pan out there and put the water on until you've got an inch in the in the shallow pan and so yeah if it's if it's Getting close to three to four weeks that it's looked bad, I would start watering it. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Can clover seed be dormant seeded this fall, do you think? Yeah, I think you can do that. Um, I I think that would be fine. The dormant seeding is is when there's no chance of seed germinating, you put it down. And for us, that's like November. So right about when it's snowing, you put down the seed and then it settles in and then is uh, sooner, comes up quicker in the springtime. Lots of people now planting clover for uh, in their lawns for uh, for pollinators. Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, Mary, I'm getting a signal here. We need to take a break. So let's do that real fast and uh, have more Smart Garden Show on the other side. Mary Meyer. Absolutely. Uh, okay, Mary, I'm getting a signal here. We need to take a break. So let's do that real fast and uh, have more Smart Garden Show on the other side. Mary Meyer is with us this morning from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden question. Just a reminder, right after the 9 o'clock news break, if you have any kind of questions about decks, decking, building, maintaining, cleaning, whatever the case may be, Luke Panic from uh, Linda's Construction. He is the deck expert along with the porch uh, specialist from Linda's Construction answering your home improvement questions, any kind of home improvement question, but especially if you have uh, questions about decks or decking. It'll be your hour next hour here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO Radio every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering a bunch of questions as usual. Uh, Mary, as usual, we have callers and we have texters. Let's grab a call from Ruth, who's calling in this morning from uh, River Falls, I do believe. Ruth, thank you. What is your question for Mary? Well, I have a question about roses. I heard the gentleman speak about uh, his rose bush. And um, years and years ago, I, I had a yellow shrub rose, and it seemed like in my memory it, it looked, the blossom looked much like the wild uh, pink rose that you see. It was not real double. And then there was a, a pink bush that had like a cushiony blossom that was very, very spicy. And this pink one just seems to go on forever and send out shoots. And I'm wondering if any of those varieties are available anymore. Uh, Good question, Ruth. Um, There are a lot of rose varieties, that's for sure. And um, many of them are (laughs) newer ones. The hardy shrub roses have been really popular getting roses to grow in our cold climate that we don't have to do any winter protection on. So there are many newer roses that are out now as well. So I would urge you to go to the Arboretum and go to the Nelson Shrub Rose Garden. Uh, Well, you could go to the Wilson Rose Garden too, or there, there are three rose gardens at the Arboretum, but they're all labeled roses and the nelson is the big one that has many climbing roses that has big yellow roses and the william baffin the giant rose that the biggest rose i think you can grow in minnesota Um, and really look at the variety of roses that are there Um, that's probably the best way i mean you can go to a garden center and you could look at roses there but if you really want to see a lot of roses and what's grown and been grown uh, for many years, I'd urge you to go to the Arboretum and look at the labeled roses that are there. Uh, right now is a perfect time to go. There, Many of the roses are, are still blooming. Uh, most of them bloom in, in June, but many will bloom uh, sporadically throughout the summer. And some of the shrub roses will bloom into, I've seen October even, with a lot of flowers on them. So I wish I could tell you exactly, uh, you know, what, what roses you're talking about, but you know, there are just hundreds of them. Seems like today we're getting a lot of critter questions, a lot of bug questions this morning. But before we get to a couple here, uh, fertilizing is the question on uh, things like roses and hydrangeas when it's this hot. Is it a good idea to be fertilizing during this uh, hot spell? 
Um, I still fertilize my annuals and um, certainly vegetables that are growing and actively growing. As long as they have enough water, uh, fertilizer might be the limiting factor for our annual vegetable plants and annual flowers. But it's usually, fertilizer is usually not the limiting factor for trees or shrubs or perennials. And when we get into drought and dry conditions, that water supply will be the limiting factor. And if you put fertilizer onto dry soil, then you can have a burn effect or damage to the roots. So I would only use the fertilizer through this hot weather conditions on annuals that are adequately watered. Okay. There's a bug in some milkweed, Texture says, that's been identified as milkweed beetle. Is that harmful to the milkweed? <laughs> Oh, yes and no. Yes, there. you know, milkweed is amazing. There are a lot of insects that really love it. And, of course, we grow milkweed for the monarch um, with the monarch butterfly with a large caterpillar that will feed on it. But there are a ton of other insects that love milkweed. Uh, you know, milkweed is one of our native, almost weedy plants. It's pretty good at surviving, so I would just enjoy the insects that are on there. I take my grandkids to look at the um, milkweed because it's pretty much always there's going to be some bug on on a milkweed plant, so I would just enjoy the insects that are there. All right, and a, a millions of box elder bugs, a couple of texts, two or three as, as a matter of fact, on uh, tons of box elder bugs. They're harmless, am I right on that? Yes, you're right, and it's probably what the previous caller had when she was talking about the red insects, uh, seeing them more um, in the soil. But yes, they, um, you know, insects are really related to the temperatures, weather conditions, and they, uh, warmer conditions will have them coming out um, sooner. So yes, they're harmless, um, uh, more of a nuisance than anything else. When can I prune my floppy dogwood bushes, Texter wants to know. I would do that right now, but I would certainly do it within the next week or so. Uh, yes, the dogwoods, I've got some big dogwoods. They're great for pollinators. They're wonderful native plants, but boy, can they grow. They can grow several feet uh, in a season, so pruning now is okay. Mary, we have about a minute to go. Let's uh, let's pass along the information about how to check out that website at the U of M, if you would, please. Yes, extension.unn.edu, and then click on Yard and Garden, and you'll have lots of uh, topics there. What's wrong with my plant? Insect identification, growing guides, uh, pruning guides. You know, lots of people talk about, ask us questions about hydrangeas, and we often get questions on pruning. So the extension educators have done a lot of videos on pruning, uh, timing of pruning, Lots of great information at extension.umn.edu. Absolutely. And get to the Arboretum. You will be back for more. I guarantee it. Mary, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your expertise and your help. And uh, I know we'll and hope we'll be talking to you real soon. Yes, Denny. Always great to talk about gardening. Thanks so much. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Going to be a hot week coming up. Uh, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, get those deck questions along with any kind of a home improvement question you may have. Luke Panic fills in for Andy Lindis uh, this morning here in the 9 o'clock hour. So if you have a deck question, hold on to that. 
and uh, ask Luke coming up here on News Talk 830 W. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 